Our scripture reading today is from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you'd like to read along, this passage can be found in your pew Bible on page 1122. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. From the belly of the underworld, I cried out for help. You have heard my voice. You had cast me into the depths in the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounds me. All your strong waves and rushing water passed over me. So I said, I have been driven away from your sight. Will I ever again look on your holy temple? Waters have grasped me to the point of death. The deep surrounds me. Seaweed is wrapped around my head at the base of the undersea mountains. Have, I have sunk down to the underworld. It bars, its bars held me with no end in sight, but you brought me out of the pit. When my endurance was weakening, I remember I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those deceived by worthless things lose their chance for mercy. But me, I will offer a sacrifice to you with a voice of thanks. That which I have promised, I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mia. Jonah, the person who is just like us. I'm preaching today on Jonah, and I know you might think it's a little odd because just two or three weeks ago, you heard a message on Jonah from Pastor Allison. And Pastor Allison is an excellent preacher, and if you have not heard that message, you should go back and hear it. But I came home from being out of the country and last Thursday found out that she had preached on Jonah. Um, so here's what I have to say about it because there was no time to totally redo my message. So I've decided that Jonah must really have something to say to us as a congregation. The Lord must really have a message in all of this that's significant for us. So I hope that um, you will ride along in this journey with me, and I pray that we will see some things in this message that possibly uh, Allison didn't have, and I know I certainly am not preaching Allison's message. Again, nobody likes to follow Allison. <laughs> she's, she's quite the preacher. But one person suggests that the book of Jonah is a subversive story about a rebellious prophet. Did you hear that in Sunday school? I didn't. Some have referred to him as the prophet who, who hates God for what God is doing, for God is loving his enemies. And one rabbi said, you know, that guy has chutzpah because uh, Nobody argues with God like that. Pastor Allison also said that this story may push our buttons, and she certainly was correct about that. But let's be really honest. 
When we think of the character of Jonah, we pretty much go to the children's story you heard growing up or the veggie tales that you heard or watched when you were a kid. Um, I have to admit, I watched the veggie tales Jonah uh, twice now with my grandchildren. I wanted to really go to the truth of Jonah. And I have to tell you, it, it's not bad. It wasn't bad at all. But, and I was going to bring a clip, but I somehow couldn't quite get to the point where I was bringing the vegetables into the sanctuary to talk to God. It just, there's something about it wasn't quite right. But it's very funny and actually it's very pointed. So if in your spare time, go look at the VeggieTales Jonah clip. So to kind of recap the narrative of the Jonah story, and the fact that the Jonah and the whale part is only just a few verses in the book of Jonah, I want us to consider that we're going to go deeper in some interesting ways. Now, we know that Jonah was asked to go preach at Nineveh and tell them that uh, their wickedness had come before him. That's the way it was said. And I'd like to say that in today's contemporary language, God might say to, to Jonah, would you go over to Nineveh and tell those people to cut it out? Their lifestyle and their values are just all wrong. But this probably wasn't a really strange prophecy moment for Jonah. He was well known. He was a man with honor in his country. He, he was used to prophesying. This was his profession. But what was hard to take for Jonah was the fact that he hated Nineveh. Everything he knew about Nineveh was not good. He, he, um, he's a person with a lot of favor and prominence in Israel. And why in the world would he go to where Nineveh was, which is in Assyria, which is now Iran. So if you stop and think about it, that's quite the trek. And also, it says in scripture that he was a Hebrew. He explained, I'm a Hebrew. And his question was, why would I go to this Gentile city? Really, this is not my calling. He knew the people were living dark, bad lives. And what could God really want with them anyway? Why did God even care? And as I see it, Jonah was probably very comfortable. As a prophet in a nation that he was proud of, uh, where God all of a sudden asked him to basically pick up his life and trek way over there, um, he was a patriotic Hebrew, a proud prophet, and he was not about to go. And you can imagine the arguments he had with God. I'm sure none of you have ever argued with God about anything. But Jonah did, and he is a person just like us. So he was already showing his colors. If you want to look at him for a character study, here's one. He was comfortable, and God asked him to step out, and he didn't want to. And he, he uh, didn't like the Ninevites, and he really didn't want to help them. I'm sure we have nobody in our world like that. But God said, go to Nineveh, and instead he went into hiding. He ran away. And he, he somehow acted like he didn't think God knew where he was. 
And it kind of reminds me of Adam and Eve and the fact that they somehow thought they could hide in the garden. God had God's reasons for this request, and Jonah couldn't see anything except the reasons not to do this. And he tried to reason with God, and have you ever done that? God gives you a direction, the Spirit is leading you, and you are not going there. Well, I'd venture to say we all have. I certainly have. But here's God who looks beyond earthly human eyes and sees with spiritual eyes. And that's one of the things I hope we practice more and more in our own lives is looking with spiritual eyes at the things around us that offend us. For Jonah, this whole city was ready to repent. But for that to happen, he had to go there. Sometimes God does ask us to step out and step up, and it isn't always easy, and it's not always fun, but at the end of it, there's a beautiful reward, even if it's a spiritual reward that you can't even grasp at this moment. This morning, I'm reminded of our own Phyllis Sorter, sister of Joe Lewis, friend to all of us, one of our missionaries. Phyllis is 75 years plus. And she lives and works and thrives in Nigeria. If you've been there, you know it's not an easy place. The documentary we'll see on the 22nd will tell you even more about that. But it's not an easy place for ministry. It's not a comfortable place. And yet, because of her calling, may I suggest that thousands of people have heard about God and about Christ They've received, their children are receiving an education, there are clinics, and now in her greatest venture, one of her greatest ventures, she's actually working with the government and training the nomadic um, folks in how to live with agriculture right on, on certain properties. Properties have been given, the uh, the tribes are learning to live and stay right where they are, which is a great gift. I know that um, in the past, there were people who said, why is she going there? Why would anyone go back to Nigeria? It's not an easy country. It's just not going to work out well. And I don't think they ever imagined what might happen because someone left their comfort zone, because someone did that, stepped out and went where no one else would go. In Jonah's case, the whole city and its animals, I think that's a cute little addendum to it, and all the animals were saved. Not that Jonah cared, apparently. So we have Jonah walking away from Nineveh, trying as a reluctant prophet to go the other way, to go as far as he could go. He flat out was not going to go there. He leaves Israel and he goes in the opposite direction to Tarshish, which I looked up and found being kind of where Gibraltar is in Spain, in southern Spain, the tip of southern Spain. And just two weeks ago, we were in the Canary Islands, which is just not that far from that location. And what I noticed, and I thought about this, I was already working on this message, I thought, huh, 
this is a pretty dry, arid, non-lush kind of place. Did he really have to come here to get away from God? Is this where he thought God wouldn't be? It, it, uh, you know, it, it was as far away from Assyria and Nineveh, I guess, as he could go. But you know what? You can't run away from God. How many of us have tried? It appears that Jonah somehow hopes he can escape from God's presence. As we know, it just doesn't work out that way. The psalmist in Psalm 139, verses 1, 2, and 3 says this, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. So that says you can try to hide, move, go away, either physically or emotionally, but God is always there. When I was younger, I thought that was kind of creepy. <laughs> I thought, hmm, I don't know if I like thinking God is watching me all the time and knowing everything, and this is a little too intense. But what I know now is that that is actually a comfort. And in deep reflection, to realize that the God who created me is rooting for me and wants the best for me is amazing. And God wants the best for all of us, for those who live close to him and those who are running from him and those who've shut down and don't want to talk about him and those who, who say, just, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. And we all know some of those folks or have been some of those folks or maybe even this morning are. As he's running away from God, Jonah ends up in deep trouble. As we know, he was uh, in a boat going to Tarshish and a huge storm came up. He gets swallowed by a large fish and causes chaos for everyone around him. This, of course, is the story that we all recall when we think of Moses and the fish. But it's really a very small section, as we said. The key thought here for me is that disobedience creates a lot of chaos in our lives. And it's not just our life. It affects our family, it affects our friends, our neighbors. The greater circumference of the world is affected each time a follower of Christ is not living uh, the way they should. Sometime, if you want to talk to me about it, I have a couple stories I could tell you about the time when I was a young adult living in the tension of, okay, I want to be a good, committed Christian, but just not right now. And what happened is there's two significant stories in my life where people were looking to me for the answers, and I was unwilling to give it. I didn't actually recognize what I was doing, but I wasn't living right. And they took that cue and didn't come into the fold at all. And they were definitely asking for help, for spiritual help. Um, it affected me, it affects me as I think back on it, and it affected a lot of other people. I'd be more than willing to share some of those stories. The spiritual ramifications then that come with our disobedience affect our lives spiritually and also many others. This is where believers have to do more than talk. We have to live and walk what we know is true. 
Those poor sailors on Jonah's boat, I guess he was on their boat, they had to live through the chaos of that storm and almost die because he was walking away from God. They almost got killed. But this is one of those situations where in the middle of the storm, they turned to God. They, the scripture says that they repented and made vows to God. And I do believe that, like in Romans 8.28, it says, all things work together for them that trust God. And here's a point. Things can work out for God's benefit and our friends benefit even when we've walked away, even when we've left a road of chaos. But it's not ideal and it doesn't always work out. So even though our personal failures can be used for God, can be used for those around us, um, I want you to see that as God's compassion. And thank you, Lord, that he gives us second chances and second ways to affect situations. Another key thought is that even with repentance, we have to then turn and obey. And as we read this morning's scripture, Jonah had his come to Jesus moment. That's what we'd call it today. Uh, some of us today may say that we feel like this. Like we're in over our head. We've hit the bottom. We feel out of control. We are overwhelmed. We feel rejected. We feel remorse and regret. The fear is crushing me. You may feel trapped. Jonah recognizes in chapter 2 that he's a lost cause unless he turns around, repents, and does what God's asking him to do. Jonah calls out the things that we think and feel in his prayer of repentance. And <clears throat> I'd like to say that Jonah, of course, was delivered, but it's the continuation of this journey that is still very interesting. How many times have you or I cried out to the Lord, made a new vow, said, we'll do whatever it takes, please, Lord, get me out of this spot, and how many of us follow through? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would say probably all of us have cried out to the Lord when we're in a mess, and sometimes we follow through and sometimes we don't. Um, when we repent and turn around and go with God's directives, there's one more part to that that's important, and that's to begin to live a life of discernment. When we walk with God again as a Christ follower, we need to know that it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us to the place, the people, the persons that are the right situations for us. I want to encourage you that if you're in the process of turning around, or if you've turned around and you're going in the correct direction, baby steps are okay. Nobody became a minor prophet or a major prophet overnight. When we join forces with God, we no longer get to go where it's comfortable. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Nor do we necessarily head in the direction that others suggest. You may be surrounded with a lot of great people and you may have a number of people telling you, well, God wants you to do this or that or this. I suggest that it's really deeply significant that you get in touch with the Holy Spirit yourself and work towards living a life of discernment. After all, 
it is our creator, God, who, who gave us these gifts, these talents, and he knows best how our gifts can be used, where they can be used, and how they can be used to bring wholeness and healing to others. We need to also be open to seeing the big picture. Jonah's picture was pretty small. He was supposed to go in there, give these people uh, this threat of destruction, get out, and then, of course, he wanted to go sit up on the hill and wait for their destruction. He really didn't understand why God would want to save these wicked people. For goodness sakes, he's, he's lived a really holy life. He's a Hebrew of great standing. Why in the world would God have anything good come from Nineveh? He was so mad at God, and he could not understand why God saw something worth saving in the Ninevites. For a second time, when he found out that God was going to give them a second chance, he said, oh, just kill me. I just want to die. That's the second time in Jonah he said that. It reminds me of... Um, I was going to say teenagers, but I don't want the poop kids to get mad at me. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of dramatic people who decide, you know, they, they've tried everything and they're just mad, you know, and, you know, I've heard it before myself, just, just kill me, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to die, I don't want to do that. But the situation is that he could not rationalize why God would want to save these wicked people. And, of course, that's the point, isn't it? That's the point. Compassion is not something we earn, it's something freely given. And God is compassion. God is merciful and God wants us to have second chances and succeed. When I started redoing this message, I ran into something very interesting. And maybe you're aware of this, but I certainly wasn't. And um, I think it really is a valuable thought. Did you know that on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the highest holy day in the Jewish uh, calendar, of, of three prophets that are being read and, and affirmed and looked at, Jonah is one of them. Every year in the synagogues around the world for thousands of years, the Jewish followers have said, what is it about Jonah that we can learn? There must be something pretty significant. As the worshipers gather and after their fasts and their confessions and the reflections of words from Moses and Isaiah, they are read the Jonah account. All the readings that could have been chosen for their high holy day, who would have ever thought Jonah? Who would have ever thought? Why do congregations read about this reluctant prophet who ran from God and was caught by a fish and miraculously released and sent on a mission that was pretty dangerous? Well, I called one of my Sephardic Jewish friends who's a leader, and I asked, is this true? You know, I read this. I don't want to talk about it if it's not true, if it's off, if it's not a valid story. And... Um, what I learned was that Yom Kippur is considered 
the first day of the new year for, for the Jewish family. And so they have fasted, they've prayed, they've repented, and now what I heard was they were reading Jonah as the light at the end of the tunnel, reminding them that, Jesus, that God forgives them and that every day is a new day. And furthermore, they shared with me that the idea of Jonah <clears throat> being in the belly of the whale and God uh, saving him and his repentance and his turning around was significant and that we need to remember that it's not just when we're in trouble that we praise God and come to God with our deep needs, but it's all year long. Those who gather, uh, and like I said, this is worldwide. They praise God that they have a clean slate and that they can start over. They uh, have a rabbi who once said, you know, we need to be reminded that God cares for everyone while Jonah only cared for himself. I'm deeply moved by this. Uh, we hardly make the book of Jonah a highlight in our studies, do we? We hardly ever talk about it. Now, you've had it twice in one month, so, so you know, you're, you're off the hook for a while. But yearly, these folks who gather in synagogues call themselves to a deeper walk with God because they look at the character of Jonah. Jesus referred to J Jonah three times in the New Testament, and in Luke 11.30, the scripture says, for as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. Here's a question. What is God willing to do to bring us back to himself? Maybe you left God because you just unconsciously drifted away. Maybe your relationship with Jesus just got old somehow. Maybe you uh, don't spend any time in God's word or in a circle of faith. Maybe you blatantly turned on God and said, uh, no more spiritual stuff. You kind of have a hard heart. Maybe you just don't really care anymore what God might want to do. Are you running from God even today? Maybe you're having difficulty with God's people. Remember, God and his human family are not the same. God is God and humanity well, it's just human. We're just like Jonah. We can be terribly disappointed in religion, but please do not let disappointment in people draw you away from the love and compassion of God. God can be trusted. I read a news story a couple months ago, and uh, I followed it up to be sure it was true. I even saw a live video of what happened. But I think this is kind of interesting and feeds into what we're talking about today about compassion. There were two boats in a lake here in Washington State. And one boat was out celebrating and they had flags uh, pointing to their alternative lifestyle and they were out on the lake having a great day and another boat with flags from another point of view uh, started circling them and harassing them and yelling at them and using hand signals, you know, the nasty ones, 
to, uh, to just harass this, this other boat. So what happened is, actually, and this happened on the film, the, uh, the boat that was harassing and circling these people blew up and caught on fire right in front of their eyes. Just plain, all of a sudden, it blew up. And do you know who needed compassion then? Do you know who needed the life ring thrown to them? Do you know who was invited into whose boat? The compassion that was shown to these folks was beautiful. The harassment was not. And I think that we need to really be careful in our culture today that we are compassionate enough that the circle of compassion, the circle of, of respect, if you want to say that, goes further than how you feel about what you approve of. But that we, even if we don't approve of somebody, of somebody's religion or their lifestyle or whatever, that we can be compassionate and kind. This um, situation, which I saw in the video, was stark to me because it just, there's so many ways you could look at that. You know, I don't know why the boat, the harassing boat caught on fire all of a sudden. I mean, you could say a lot about that, but I don't know anything other than I saw this and I, it concerned me that we aren't, that we don't want to be a culture, a Christian culture that is so judgmental that we have no compassion. So in closing, I want us to picture Jonah mad at God for extending compassion and mercy to the evil city. In the last verses of Jonah 4, we are reminded that God loves the city. The city is worth, it, the city with all its sin, darkness, and loss of spiritual values, God loves that city. Does that sound familiar? In chapter 4, we also watch the fact that Jonah has to see there's a bigger picture here. The, the viewpoint he has is coming from a prophet, from a, a Hebrew, and he's looking at the city and he's saying nothing can be done. They're not worth it. Today, as we stand as a faith community in a city with so many issues, let us imagine that our high holy day is today, where we have an opportunity to repent, receive atonement, and turn around and see others the way God looked at Nineveh. We need to be open to God's ways even when we don't always understand, even, for sure, when we don't approve. We need to keep our hearts open and soft so that bitterness doesn't set in. After the leaders of the city accepted the message from God through Jonah, Jonah, as we said, climbed up on the hill to watch its destruction. Let's be people who live so close to the heart of God that we want what's best for all, for our families, for our friends, for our city, and for God's world. Will you join me in prayer? God, we have relived Jonah's story this morning. We understand why he ran from you. He's just like us. Please reach down and touch us as we need your help on our journey. We have places where your love and compassion is hard for us to share. 
We ask your Holy Spirit to fill us, to make us new as we turn around again, wanting to go in the direction that you provide for us. And we lift up our friends Larry and Karen Woodbury this morning as they face the deep loss of losing their daughter. Be with their family. Be with them as they encourage and love and surround their granddaughter who has lost her mom. Dear Lord, hold them close and may we continue to pray and support them. We love you, we praise you, we need you, and we stand as a people gathered wanting your power to help us move forward. In Jesus' strong name, amen. <laughs>